You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. We, the church, we have an earth-shattering message. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So take your Bibles this morning and turn to uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 27, an earth-shattering message. You know, whenever you uh, hear or see uh, about an earthquake in our world, it, it makes headlines. Um, major earthquakes, they tend to refocus our things. And, and because we live in an instant world and instant information, we're just grasping to find out more and more and more information. And um, they're critical. And oftentimes, they're devastating. Um, two recent earthquakes that have impacted our world, the first one was in Haiti. It was on January the 12th, uh, 2010. It was a magnitude 7.0 earthquake. 3.5 million people were affected. 222,000 people estimated had died. 300,000 people were injured. Over 188,000 homes were badly damaged. 105,000 homes were destroyed. 1.5 million people became homeless. And then in Japan, on March the 11th, 2011, an earthquake that registered 9.0 on the Richter scale hit off the coast of Japan. The fifth largest earthquake in history. It shook for over five minutes. There were four warning earthquakes, one at 6.0, two at 6.1, and one at 7.2. Over 900 aftershocks. Three of the aftershocks of a magnitude of 7.0 in, uh, within 45 minutes of the quake. A tsunami was formed, a great wave of water, in some places 40.5 meters high. 133 feet. Basically, a wall of water coming at you, the height of a 13-story building crashed into the shores and in some places went 10 kilometers inland in Japan. 15,828 deaths. And at this time when I got this statistic, over 3,700 people were still never accounted for. When those things happened, it seemed like our world was changed. Uh, This church, in both of those tragedies, uh, donated money to churches helping churches. There were people all over the world pouring money in, how can we help these people? And, and, And the challenge for us as a church is, how are we going to help the church of Jesus Christ Uh, to be restored, to be rebuilt in those areas. And in both cases, the Lord allowed us to be a part of that and allowed us, by God's grace, to give thousands of dollars to support and encourage people in Haiti and Japan. It seemed like the world was changed. And yet, if I hadn't brought it up today, you probably wouldn't have thought about it and probably wouldn't think about it ever again. We thought, it changed the world. But in scripture, there are two earthquakes around two events that totally did change the world. And one of them is found in Matthew 27. The other one's found in Matthew 28. We're going to take a look at them today. So let's stand together. We want to honor God as we read his word. You see, in these two earthquakes we're going to learn about today, nobody died. Nobody was killed by 
the earthquake. And yet the earthquake changed the world. As a result of the events around these two earthquakes, you would never be the same and neither would I. The world will never be the same by what surrounded these two events. Matthew chapter 27, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and, and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place. They were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the son of God. There were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Let's pray. Father, the gospel of Jesus Christ is earth-shattering. It's the news that we needed. It's the news that many in this room have heard and understand. It has transformed our thinking. It has transformed our lives. The gospel of Jesus Christ changes everything. And Father, we think about the death of our Savior. And when he died, the the ground shook. Father, I pray that as we look at your word today, you would give us ears to hear. Make us careful to listen. Give us minds that we would understand. And then God, don't allow us to leave here the way we came in. Change us, Lord, for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. We, the church, earth-shattering. These earthquakes we're gonna look at today, as I said, surround two amazing, awesome, world-changing events that many of us have experienced the blessing of and learned from, but they are the hope of our world. Earth shattering. How did we get here? How did we get to this place where we needed this event, where this earthquake happened? How How did we get here? Well, it all started back in Genesis. It started back after the creation and God has put Adam and Eve in the garden and they were there and they were to name the animals and they were to name all the plants. If you've got a problem with any of the animals' names or plants' names and you get to heaven, you can take it up with Adam and Eve. Uh, it was their job and, and they were doing that and things were going along well and, and there was just one thing as they're managing all of this and serving and working in it, they were one thing, one thing, don't eat. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything else is for you, but don't do this. And Adam and Eve, just like you and I, wanted what they wanted more than they wanted what God wanted. 
God had something amazing for them. And they wanted what they wanted more than they wanted what God wanted. And they took from the fruit of the tree and they ate it and they died. And for all the men in the room who are like, no, 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 you didn't say that quite right. Eve did it. Eve did it. Well, you just need to go back and read your Bible because it says as she did it and Adam was with her. He was right there. He didn't lead her, didn't help her through this. They were in this thing together and they died. And they're separated from God and they're put out of the garden and there's consequences of, of death and work and toil and all the rest will come. But the worst thing is that spiritually they, they died and spiritually we were all dead. In Genesis 3.15, the first verse that really starts to point towards the good news that will come and the restoration that will be ours, it's um, spoken to Satan. Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. That's what Jesus will do, and you shall bruise his heel. As a result, the law is given. And, and all of these rules are set up. And now there's going to be sacrifices. There's going to be special things you have to do. And, and you're going to have to bring the best bull or the best goat or the best lamb, the unblemished one. And you're going to have to, separate, you're going to, have to sacrifice it. And, and its blood is going to be shed. But the blood of bulls and goats doesn't save anybody. But rather it's a picture pointing towards what is going to happen, what Jesus Christ is is going to do. In Romans chapter um, 8, verses 3 and 4, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And Isaiah tells us about the Messiah who is going to come. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned. Everyone. Everyone. Not just some people. Everyone. Not just Jason, Janie, but you too. All of us. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, the prophet Isaiah is writing about the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and the Lord has laid on him the sin of all of us. That's how we got here. And that's how we get to Matthew 27. And that's how we get to the need for the cross. That's how we get to the reality of what Christ is going to do. So earth shattering, how did we get here? How about this? Earth shattering. Let's look at the first earthquake called this one in darkness the next day uh, they're in darkness from the sixth hour to the ninth hour there's darkness over the land this earthquake happens at the crucifixion of Jesus As we've already kind of hinted at the problem is sin and the reason that this is all going on is because of sin the bible says there is none righteous not even one the best person in the world the most the most good person in the world is unrighteous. The Bible says there's none righteous. No one seeks after God. All have sinned and fall short. There's none righteous. That's the problem. That's a big problem. 
And it's why Christ had to come. And it's why the cross was necessary because of the problem of sin. And it impacted everyone. The other problem that's seen in that is the separation that we have. The separation between God and man. Sin separates us. The gulf is too big. I can't fix it. I can't solve this problem on my own. One of the coolest things that happened when Christ died was the veil. The veil is torn from the top to the bottom. Uh, The picture of that is amazing for us to understand what's going on. Sin separated us from God. And the tabernacle is built and the temple is built and there's this drape. And and the only person who's allowed to go into that is the the high priest once a year. And so fearful were they that he would not be right before God. They would tie a rope on his ankle so that when he went in, if God struck him dead, there would be a way to get him out. But when Christ died, the veil was torn. The thing that was keeping us from getting to God is being taken care of through the work of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't torn from the bottom up like a man would have done it. It was torn from the top down because God did it and he's opening up the way. The problem is sin. The problem is separation. We are guilty people. Guilt, Romans 5.12 says, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 64.6, we've all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. The cross was important. The death of Christ, the announcement through this resurrection, through this death, through this earthquake was important because guilty, guilty, guilty stamped on every one of us. Filled with guilt, no hope. Christ will die. It was a requirement that he would die. John 3, 14 and 15 says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. <clears throat> the cross was a requirement. First Peter three eighteen. for Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous. The cross was filled with Agony. First Peter 2, 24, the first part of the verse says this, he himself bore our sin in his body on the tree. The earthquake that we're looking at in so many ways is downcast and sad and awful and, and surrounding the events that are going on on that day is Agony. The agony of the unjust, um, the unjust trials that Christ goes through. The injustice of all that's being poured on him, the perfect lamb of God, the spotless lamb of God. The agony in that. The agony of the whip. The agony of the scourging that ripped open his back. The agony of the crown of thorns that is pushed down on his head. The agony of the nails being driven into his hands and into his feet. The agony of pressing up on the cross, just trying to be able to get another breath. The agony. 
The shame. Christ hanging on a cross, naked, for something he never did, paying a price that was my price to pay, paying a price that was your price to pay. We deserved to die. But that wasn't the greatest agony. The greatest agony was being forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then comes death. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit in verse 50. And then there is fear. The followers of Christ are all running about. They don't know what to do. Peter's about to deny the Lord three times. They find themselves hidden in rooms with doors locked behind. They <clears throat> See, what they thought was going to happen didn't happen. What they had hoped for wasn't going to be. They were, they were thinking back a week before when Jesus had just come into Jerusalem triumphantly and all of the woo-hoo, the king is here. And now they watch him and he's on a cross and he, he's dead. And they're filled with fear. And the earth shakes. It's Friday. It's finished. The religious, the religious leaders, they love it. Finally. Finally, this guy who's been a pain in the neck for three and a half years. Finally, he's gone. And the Romans who've been wondering what's going on with him coming into Jerusalem. And like, is this guy going to be a Messiah? Is this guy going to be a ruler? Are we going to have to deal with him? He's, he's gone. They love it. Satan thinks he has won. Jesus' mother is in despair. His followers are confused. And Jesus is dead. And the earth shakes. But you see, they didn't understand. They didn't yet understand what had just really happened. They didn't really understand what had just been accomplished. They didn't really understand yet that the full payment for their sin has just been made. They didn't know what was coming. The earth shakes. And there's despair. But they didn't understand. Because there's another earthquake that happens. And we find it in chapter 28. And in verses 1 to 10, it says this. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen as he said. Come and see the place where he lay and then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is raised from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. 
So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. The second earthquake is about the light. If the first earthquake was about darkness and lack of hope and despair and not understanding, the second earthquake is to clear it all up. It's to bring it all out into the light. You understand if the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, you are the most pathetic people in the whole world. Why are we sitting here? If Christ is not raised, what we do is in vain. If Christ is not raised, he was just a good man who died. He could not pay for your sin. The resurrection is the receipt of what Christ did for us on the cross. Paul, the apostle, not this one, a hater of Jesus Christ, a hater of the followers of Jesus Christ. He was all in the plans to get rid of all of the Christians. We're going to learn about him in a couple of weeks. We're going to see his, um, his salvation in, in the book of Acts. But there he is, and he's a hater, and, and God comes, and God reveals himself to, to Paul. And, and here's what Paul says about the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15. If you ever doubt the resurrection... You just get your head in 1 Corinthians 15 and don't take it out until God's spirit gives you a sense of, oh my goodness, this is true. 1 Corinthians 15, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12 and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of them are still alive but though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep For as by one man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. The second earthquake 
surrounds the event that puts the, the seal on all that Christ has done for us. He is risen just as he said. And out of this earthquake, earthquake comes a whole lot of really cool stuff. Here's, here's one that comes out of it, the anticipation. You have to imagine the ladies are going up. They're just going up to the tomb to anoint the body of Christ. It wasn't buried the way they wanted it to be done. It wasn't done the way it should have been done. And, and they get there and, it, and it's rolled away. The stone is rolled away. An earthquake has happened. The angel is there. Yeah, he is alive. And now they can't wait to get out and tell the story of what has happened. The impact of the resurrection changed their lives. Hey, people, me too. The impact of the resurrection changes us. It's not just a nice concept. It's the confirmation of all that Jesus offered to us. It's fulfilled in us. In the book of Acts, it says, uh, those that have turned their world upside down have come here as well. There was fear because, because the believers were so excited about the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that they moved forward with anticipation. The resurrection speaks of deliverance. In 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Romans 6, 9, and 10 says, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Uh, the deliverance that we have is accomplished because of the death, the burial, this earthquake, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It speaks of deliverance. Uh, this earthquake, uh, reflecting to the resurrection, speaks of the promise that Jesus had made. Uh, back in John 2, 18 to 20, it says this, And so the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them. You destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build the temple. Will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The announcement that happens, the world shakes, Christ is risen. A promise is fulfilled. Well, what about faith? What about faith? In John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus, speaking to Thomas, says, now Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, we're pretty hard on Thomas. We're kind of tough on him. We call him, what do we call him? Thank you. We call him Doubting Thomas. Do you think you would have been any different? Do you think if you were in the room and the guy told me, yeah, yeah, we saw Jesus. He's alive. I would have been Thomas. Yeah, I want to see this. I want to see this. And the Lord comes graciously and, and shows himself to Thomas and so if you believe because you've seen, is that why you believed? 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's every one of us in this room who's trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. Through eyes of faith, you have seen. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's understanding what God has done. And when, when we wrestle and when we struggle, we come back to God's Holy Spirit in us, giving faith, eyes of faith to see and believe what we haven't seen. And that's why we go to 1 Corinthians 15 and hear the story about what, what Paul said and who saw him and the, his story and his life and God's grace on him and willing to give up his life for one who originally he was trying to kill. Why? Because it's true. Because Christ is risen from the dead. It speaks of faith. Galatians 2.16 says, yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because the works of the law, through them no one will be justified. We come in faith and the response or the result is we're forgiven. The second resurrection, the second um, earthquake at the resurrection, it speaks of the new life. It speaks of the hope. It confirms our forgiveness. In Ephesians 2, 4 to 9, for God being rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not of works so that no one can boast. I am forgiven because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And, and, and how do I take that on? How does that become mine? By believing. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The earth shattering news, we the church, we have the best news there is for the entire world. We're forgiven. We're forgiven because Christ is raised, because grace is given, because in faith, I trust Christ. He does all the work. I get all the blessing. I deserve none of it. He gives me everything. I'm forgiven. And if you're a follower of Christ today, that should bring you great hope. We should be walking out the door going, we win. We're on the winning team. We're going to storm the gates of hell because Christ is in me. He is my hope of glory. I'm forgiven. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, the free gift that he offered to me and offered to everybody in this room is offered to you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Not partly saved, not maybe saved, not I hope it works out. You'll be saved. You can do that right where you sit, right now. There's no special words, there's no little creed, you don't have to give money, you don't have to join this church. It's, it's all about what Jesus did for you. And you will be saved. Here's another great thing that comes out of it is righteousness. His righteousness. Philippians 3, 9 says, being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. 
In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In 1 Peter 2.24, I read the first part of the verse earlier. Here's the whole verse. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. The moment I trusted Jesus Christ as my savior, all of my sin, every sin I'd ever committed, the present sin, and every sin I ever will, it all comes under the blood of Jesus Christ. All of it is put on him. All of it. Forgiven. And all of his righteousness, all that he accomplished, all that was available in the cross, all that I need to move forward in my walk, all of that is put on me. My sin on him. His righteousness on me. While the earth shook, Christ is alive and God's glory is revealed. I had the privilege to uh, speak to our men's ministry uh, yesterday morning. They meet on Saturday morning at 7 a.m. So men, if you're not coming to that, you need to come. I I didn't even realize there was a 7 a.m. on Saturday morning. Um, And there is. And apparently like 70 or so men met together and um, had breakfast yesterday, a great time of worship and fellowship together and great testimonies. And I, I got a chance to speak to them and I, I spoke from John 17. It, it's, the, it's the passage they call the high priestly prayer. It's right before Christ is gonna go to the cross and he cries out to God and the people who are around him, those who are there, they're listening to him. And in John 17, verses one to five, five times, Jesus uses the word glory or glorified five times. And it's either about the glory of God or the glory that's going to be Christ's glory. But it's all coming down to who God is and what he has done. And I can't help but think about this earthquake. The stone is rolled away. Christ is revealed. The price is paid. The seal is done. The receipt is in our hands because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Glory to God. Glory to God. Once again, he's demonstrated how awesome he is for us. His glory. On Friday, it is finished. And there's fear and there's despair, and it's we finally got rid of this guy. But they did not understand. They didn't understand that Sunday was coming. And now it is finished. Death and sin are defeated. Life in Christ is available through faith alone because Jesus is alive. Hope is back The earth is shattered. And in the shattering of that earth, there's the death of Christ and there was an earthquake. May we never forget the earth was shaken when Christ died. And then Christ is risen from the dead and there is another earthquake. And Jesus is alive. We'll forget about all kinds of other earthquakes. But may we never forget these two times when God shook the earth because it speaks of his payment 
And it speaks of the fulfillment of all that he has promised to us. And so it is finished. The work of salvation is done. There's nothing you can add to it. There's nothing you can do for it. It's all done in in Jesus Christ. Well, so what? So what? One more thing. It is finished, but it is not over. It is finished, but it is not over. You see, the work of salvation is done. There's nothing I can do to add to it. The payment has been made. The receipt and the resurrection is done. There's nothing I can do to add to that. But it is not over. Hey, we the church, this earth-shattering news is the foundation of everything that we are. The gospel of Jesus Christ, demonstrated in God sending his son, demonstrated in the death, demonstrated in the resurrection. It is the foundation of all that we do moving forward. It's the wind in your sail every morning when you get up. And you get up and you're like, oh no, another day. No, no, the grace of God, by the grace of God, I move forward. Yet death and sin are defeated. Life in Christ is available. Hope is back. It's finished. And we have a job to do. We have a job to do. We are the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We are the ones who are to be showing, demonstrating who Jesus is in me. We are the one who are to be speaking a word to people so they would understand the hope that we have. Christ in me, the hope of glory. We have a commission I've got a job to do. It's a commission. I have a life to live and it's filled with sanctification. I have a life that every day is going to be working through stuff and every day there's going to be struggle and every day is not going to be perfect. And Some days are going to be sweet and some days are going to be difficult. But because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I have a life to live. And then one more thing. I have a hope to live for. I have a hope to live for. We're going to see in the passage I'm going to read about communion in just a minute. We're, we're to do that until we do it again with him in heaven. I love you people. And it's great to serve you as your pastor. But it's going to be so much better for you when you don't have to listen to me preach anymore because you're going to be listening to what Jesus has to say. And you're going to be on your face before him, worshiping him. Because we have a hope. And our hope isn't that we'll just make it through next week. We will. With God's grace, with his help, we will. But we have a hope. We are looking forward. We're looking forward to something that is so much, so much better. Because it's finished. But it's not yet over. Two earthquakes, one in Haiti and one in Japan, seem to change the world. But so quickly we have forgotten. These two earthquakes surround the events that truly changed the world. No one was killed in the earthquake. But Jesus Christ died at one. He was raised at the next. And that changes everything. We, the church, have the earth-shattering reality, truth, knowledge, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Follower of Jesus Christ, are you living out of that every day? Is that your hope? Is that what puts wind in your sails? Is that what gets you going? I have a commission. I have a life to live. I have a hope to live for. 
And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, the earth-shattering news for you is Jesus Christ paid a price so you could have eternal life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Understand, one day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. For the followers of Jesus Christ, it will lead to eternity with God in a place that is called heaven. For those who have rejected Jesus Christ, it will lead to separation from him for eternity in the place that is called hell. We have the earth-shattering news. Two earthquakes. What will you do with what you've learned today? Let's pray. Lord God, this is your word, and we thank you for it. We thank you for the way you work in this place, the way you work in our lives. We thank you for the transformation that happened because of the finished work of Jesus Christ that we saw and understood in his payment on the cross for us. But Lord, the seal, the receipt, he was not just a good man who died, happened in his resurrection. So Lord, we have a, we have a job to do because it's not finished yet. We have a, a responsibility to fulfill the great commission, a responsibility to grow up in Jesus Christ a little more every day, a responsibility to live in the hope because what you did for us is earth shattering. May we never forget, but live out for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.